Welcome to Idle Inspiration, the show about discovering our next favorite role-playing game or building it. I am your host, Caleb Powers, here with my other host. David, how's it going? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, yeah, I don't know yeah me too. Good <laughs> Think Things are going. So we're here with the second episode of the podcast, Idle Inspiration, where we talk about role-playing games. And uh, we gave a kind of a, a general kind of summary of what this podcast is, what we're going to be talking about last week. And uh, this week, I think we're going to dig in um, just a little bit more into the philosophy of role-playing games, talk about why we play role-playing games and why you should play role-playing games. Kind of go through the list of like the reasons why this is an engaging hobby and why everyone should give it a chance. Um, I, we definitely talked about that a bit last week, yeah. um, but uh, or last time we did the episode. But um, I, I want to dig it a little bit more into just the various facets of that. Um, and then hopefully uh, next time we record, we're going to talk with some old gaming buddies about the first major campaign we ever did. Um, but uh, until then, we're going to talk about philosophy role-playing games, kind of dig into that a little bit. So, So David, posing the question to you, why should we play role-playing games? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I think it sort of, for me, at least boils down to like, I mean, uh, a few of them, right? So obviously there's a social element to it. Yep. You know, there's a social engagement. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, it's a creative outlet, a creative, you know, you can flex that creative muscle. Uh, it really helps a lot with that, especially if you like to write or anything like that. It helps yeah. sort of make oh, yeah, use sure. of that. Um, and then, of course, I mean, it's fun. <laughs> like, yeah. it's they're called role-playing games because they're they're meant to be fun. Yeah. Um, of they're course, games. yeah, if you have a poor group, it can be not so fun, but that's the case with any game, really. Yeah, uh, Yeah, those are like the big big three for me. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Glad, I'm glad you brought up... Um, you know, if you're a writer, you'll enjoy role-playing games. Cause I think yeah. that's, that's a lot of where my interest in role-playing games kind of yeah, same. spun off from is just the idea that I've always been interested in stories and world building just as a, a yeah. general hobby. Um, yeah. And so like role-playing games are a perfect kind of jumping off point from there to what's something else that engages both of those aspects of my right. Uh, interests in, in, a, in a very interesting way that allows both to happen. One of the things that I think role-playing games has always allowed me is, right, like, I've always enjoyed world-building, and I've always enjoyed, like, st telling stories, yeah. um, and, I, and I enjoy writing, but writing is such a long-form hobby. Yeah. It takes a long time to actually, like, get down on paper something that you're proud of. Yeah. Um, the thing I love about role-playing games as a creative person who likes telling stories and world-building, um, and for those of you who don't know what world-building is, it's just basically, you know, the construction of a fantastical or imaginary world, um, you know, making up the history, the the races, the people, the, the cultures, so on and so forth that inhabit that world. Um, lots right. of people just do it. Uh, this is something that I've been come, come to understand over the years is a lot of people do it without any peripheral hobby attached to it they just do it to yeah. do it they don't write they don't play role-playing games in the world they just make up worlds yep. um but uh, for me right like role-playing games provide have provided and do provide currently an outlet that's very instantaneous to yeah, really hit the ground running with whatever you've got yeah maybe. yeah right and, and, it, and it gives me a reason not to be a perfectionist about anything yeah, um right true. because i can only world build or plan the story so much yeah. um until the next session and then i have to do it i have to tell a story and if i don't tell a story there's a session <laughs> there isn't a session right and, and right, once yeah. i'm done with the session there you go that's the story and i can't go back and change it right i can't yeah. go back and mess with it though i guess you know right now i'm going back through crow inquisitors and and editing it for well, a, a podcast and there ha different. there has been stuff i've cut out just very minor story things uh, mostly it's non-story things that i'm cutting out but right. there have been very minor story things i've cut out just for cohesion's sake just to slightly yeah yeah help myself make well, the story 
that's sort of the nature of writing the story with five people is that there's yeah. going to be some cohesive breaks. Not all of yep. us are paying attention the whole time and that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So sometimes you forget things over the course of two years. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, I think you're a lot at a little, little uh, concession, yeah. but, <laughs> but yeah, right back, I, for, yeah. We're just, just to kind of wrap up my point real quick for yeah. um, just, you know, that for me, it's a great way to, scratch that itch without getting caught up in either world builders disease where you just world build forever and never actually write anything or writer's block, you know, where you, you know, you want to write or you don't know what you want to write. And either way you can't actually write. Um, so yeah, I was just going to agree and say that I think it helps a lot, like with getting an idea for how, pacing feels without yeah. having like yeah because obviously the best practice for writing is writing but yep. writing is kind of hard to practice because one you're doing it by yourself most of the time so it's not as sort of entertaining but also yeah like you get to pick the brain of four other people without asking for it right like they just yep. will do things you're like okay that's a cool idea or yeah you know you can look at a, a session and be like all right this part felt like it dragged why and mm-hmm. when you're writing you want to avoid those same things right Yep. And, uh, or maybe you could feel like, yeah, this part really worked and you can look at that. And it's the same sort of elements, right? The same kind of things we expect from an RPG. You can expect from a good uh, book, except for obviously there's also mechanical conversation and things like that. Um, and the stakes of gambling as it were to pull you through a game where yeah, yeah. in a book you have to make it feel like you're gambling and you're not. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I think it does, it has a good parallel. Um, and I agree that like, it's nice to get some use out of the worlds you've built and like mm-hmm. have to have to commit to doing some story where I haven't done a lot of GMing, but when I have, uh, yeah, I've appreciated that as well. Yeah. Um, and, and going off of what I think w- what you were saying earlier is right. Like a lot of times writing can be hard because you're doing it by yourself. And, and I think that's definitely true. Yeah. It's maybe not so true for people who are very introverted, but for me, like, I'm not like extremely extroverted. Like I'm not Emily Valdez level of extroverted, um, but uh, I am definitely an extrovert. And so for me, it it scratches all of the itches I could possibly want for a creative endeavor, right? Yeah. I am having right. fun. I am being creative. I'm doing world building. I'm telling a story. I'm engaging that part of my brain that likes to problem solve, right? And, and like... Right figure out how to make something work whether or not it's just something about the world building in the game or um uh the story itself right how to how to like tie up loose ends that sort of thing but it also scratches my itch for social interaction during all of those things right so i love collaborative style processes to do all of those things and and so role-playing games hit all of the boxes for me so that's what makes them like my favorite thing to do for sure when i one of the things you said was uh like it made me think of the fact that because you're working with other people and because they're contributing to the story, you were saying the puzzle um, part, you know, puzzle solving part of your brain is engaged. And it is because especially as a GM, you're trying to make it cohesive, but even as other players, you're like, okay, you know, you're trying to embrace the yes and uh, or yes, but or whatever, uh, you know, elements. And that requires you, yeah, to, to sort of, use critical thinking skills and, and stuff that also come in handy in other things like writing and stuff where you maybe want to don't want to do the first thing that comes to mind because it's too predictable or boring or whatever. Did, did we um, talk about yes and and yes but last time? I feel like I we did. I feel like we did at least a little bit, but I guess just yeah. to explain it. We didn't dive into it too much, I don't think. Yeah, right. Like, you know, yes and and yes but are, are improv acting terms um and that's another thing that you do in role playing games a lot of the time right. uh is improv acting which is another thing that i like so there you go another box checked <laughs> yeah um but yes and and yes but are ways of um like going along with the improv the improvisation that's happening in such a way that uh you make it more fun for everyone and you don't bring everything to a screeching halt right so so right. yes and yeah. and yes but are are the the tools by which we keep the story moving and especially right. in an improv acting situation which is where these come from right like that that's important because otherwise the scene goes nowhere um yeah. so right it's for example um someone says as a player like i think my character um you know is from my character's from this this place right so i think in that place they d- domesticate hawks for you know pets and they use them for you know to give messages and to do hunts and those sorts of things and just you know say a player just says that now me as a gm 
or you, David, as another player, for example, right. um, could say, no, that's dumb if you didn't <laughs> like it. But that's never a yeah. good answer because no. it, it, it immediately invalidates that other person in a way that's yeah. kind of rude, honestly, but yeah, also sure. brings the game to a halt, right? Say, say he brought that up as a way to solve a problem that you're facing in the game. Like yeah. you need a way to get a message from this person to this person. And you're like, we don't like, I don't know if we would be carrying like have an ability to do that and you're like wait a second my character has a hawk because my culture you know comes from yeah. a long line of you know so on and so forth mm-hmm. for a, a player you could be like ah yes that is a good idea and and then extrapolate from there and say right. and uh you know only very particular people um can uh, are allowed to train these hawks and it just so happens right. that my character uh, you know grew up among a, a hawk trainer because i came from that kingdom yeah. too and you know right. something like that and then it, it immediately engages everyone with what's happening in the story changes the the perspective of everyone and then gets multiple characters involved in whatever's happening and me as a gm could say yes but and usually it's the gm who's saying yes but but yeah, they could say true. you know yes that's true but because of this thing i also know about the world they're not hawks they're bats they're giant horrible bats <laughs> yeah. because you come from yeah. a horrible country <laughs> yeah and rpgs tend to have a, a little more than improv acting because in improv acting you have no justification for like for saying no or whatever or even really for saying yes but right uh but in rpgs you have rules so you can say no because of rules yeah uh and you can also say yes but because of setting that maybe you're you're familiar with more than the other person but it's still in good form to encourage creativity and, and pushing forward in the same way like failing forward where if somebody fails a role instead of just being like nothing happens we're at square one again you yeah. want to fail forward so the situation changes from that action and now we have new stuff to deal with yeah and, and um, also right from there we go to based on what you just said we go to the other sets of things you could say which is no but or no and right yeah, so and right. and that's the way to to deal with failure in a role-playing game um or or something just not yeah. working is exactly. no you can't you know there aren't hawks wouldn't work like that in this setting that you know that culture we know about it, that that wouldn't happen but here's another idea that's like that idea and and then we you know we find something that does actually work in the setting in the rules yeah except you know so we validate that person by having a good idea but then molding it to make more yeah. sense in, in and then you have no and which is often what the gm and this, we're going through a lot of different things here but yeah, yeah. as you just said like failing forward in a role-playing game is very important so it's, right. it's important never to just say no to anything yeah. really right uh so if you're you know someone fails a role you don't just say yep you failed you say yes you failed and you set off this trap and now right. there's a so timer you're, you're not just sitting at the door with nothing yeah exactly, exactly right yeah, I mean that that leads really well into the the social aspect because you know it's inherently RPGs are a social game that we've talked about. Yeah. You know, part of it is improving that it's it's practice for that, right? You're, it's 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 not just for extroverted people who are already good at that. I mean, that I I consider myself an introvert. I like interacting with people, but I'm fine by myself for long periods of time. It doesn't really bother me any. And actually, I. I think it's really interesting because you mentioned that as an extrovert, you know, you appreciate that stuff. And for me as an introvert, I, I still enjoy it. And actually I found that, that doing that stuff helps me, you know, get better at it and, so, and, and be more interested in things like improv, for instance, improv is something right. like improv acting is something I would never get into <laughs> on my own. And I, I probably still won't really just because I think actually being on a stage and doing it is a little too yeah. much for me, but I do a lot of improv acting in RPGs, you know, mo- mostly it's vocal. You're not doing a lot of physical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never done any LARPing, so I haven't gotten you know, to do, <laughs> right. and I, I wouldn't necessarily be super opposed to it. I just, you know, it's, that's a lot harder to get together than an RPG. Yeah. And we've oh, for sure. proved that that is hard enough as it is, as you get responsibilities. Mm-hmm. But all that to say, you know, even as, as a relatively introverted person, I enjoy improv acting because of RPGs. And it's again, not something I would have ever even tried otherwise. And so, you know, I, I want to stress that it's, it's not only for people who enjoy social interaction, but yeah. people who, cause everyone needs it to some degree. Yeah. Uh, but even if you're not a person who like 
thrives on it, like, like an extroverted person, it can still want to help you improve your skills at that. And just, and not only just like, you know, uh, improv acting and things, but also just being a decent person, right? Like, like we were talking about earlier, you know, acknowledging people's creative yeah. ideas yeah. or, um, one of the big things is you can, you learn to not hog the spotlight, right. Which yeah. is also a thing. I mean, some people would probably consider it a positive thing to be able to hog the spotlight in a social situation. Not <laughs> right, really yeah. sure I'd consider that a positive element. No. Um, it teaches you to give room for other people to express themselves and have ideas yep. and and be involved in the conversation, uh, which I think was also a thing I wasn't super great at when I started. Uh, it's very easy for me to have an idea and feel like I need to get it out there enough that I don't always pay attention to whether or not other people have gotten the chance to do the same. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I'm really not sure how great I am at it even now, but I know that I've improved a lot since, even since like the crow, because I was just listening to the first episode of Crow Inquisitors. Right. And I remember in that season afterwards talking to Josh and realizing that I'd over talked him a lot, especially because that was his first time, uh, like really committing to a game. So he wasn't as comfortable, um, you know, asserting himself. Uh, and say, so I know, you know, I, I tried to make an effort specifically because of that and because of, you know, that game trying to do that less. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah. Now that you mentioned yeah. that, I think, I, I think I noticed a few times that that, that did happen. Yeah. Um, and it didn't hurt, help that my, uh, character was built in such a way that he was particularly good at one thing that came up a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, but yeah, I mean, so one thing just to kind of jump on what you're just saying there yeah. too, I've been re-listening to a lot of old campaigns uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, one that we did uh, in 2015 and then one that we started in 2010 and ha- it went on to 2018. I'm like deep <laughs> into the, the archives of that. Um, but one thing I did notice for sure, um, I mean, I had mentioned this already at the beginning or before we started recording, but we we were all very bad players to each other um in yeah. more so in savage tie more so in that first campaign but also in astoria um we we were bad at um give you know giving each other space for ideas uh we were bad at not just being rude to each other in general like if you know, I I would be so I I saw such an improvement in myself for listening back to these old ones and being so I was so impatient all of the time with all of you and and it's like a part of it is like totally understandable because we were all so scatterbrained and i was desperately trying to like run a game and and we you know you guys were all very scatterbrained a lot of the time but, but my yeah but my reaction but it still wasn't justified like it was justified for me to be impatient maybe but not justified for me to express that impatience in such a rude way yeah, which is i which i, I did you. a lot um listening back to these yeah. old old games i was very just oh. mean turns um, out 10 years ago we weren't as mature yeah no and, and, and it totally makes sense too right yeah, yeah. but but i can see my growth and i and i don't think it had anything to do per se with i mean obviously it had something to do with the fact that you know sanctification is a thing in the life of a christian and you you, <laughs> yeah. you know you become more like christ uh, as you uh seek to do so um right uh and pursue faith but um the other aspect of it is i feel like the majority of me getting better at that was because i kept playing right it was because i kept playing and realized as i went what worked what didn't right how to actually manage people well and what didn't work um and and so you know there's a lot of of that that you can we can see as we look back through all these old stuff uh, of, of ways yeah. that we changed. Uh, another thing like is that I did notice, for example, uh, going off of what you were saying with the improv acting thing, seeing seeing the way that um, that you particularly actually have, uh, and all of us obviously, but like you particularly have um, improved the way that you interact with role-playing games was really cool to see. Like mm-hmm. listening back to the old sessions of, uh, I mean, by by the time we did Astoria, by the time we did the 2015 campaign, you had, you had, m- gotten pretty far along this this road but listening back to the old savage tide stuff especially um and i guess this did happen in astoria too but like the whenever your character would make a would say something or make a speech or you know have to say something that would be important you'd be like uh i don't know i roll 
I don't I say something I say yeah, something yeah. good and, I say and, the and thing I say the thing yeah, and, exactly. and thinking about the way that you as a as a person have put yourself out there and actually tried to improv improvise things to say has been really cool to to kind of compare and contrast because you think about I mean even just Crow Inquisitors even the first season of Crow Inquisitors Delon very talkative character says a lot of stuff um and yeah. and says it in an honestly a very eloquent way like you you did a really good job yes. of playing that character in the way that you you set him up as opposed to a character like Dalis who in theory was supposed to be the most talky yeah. person ever yeah, and real. probably said three words yeah. the whole campaign right well, like <laughs> and i think i mentioned it in the first episode when I, when we wrapped up the game in 2018 yeah, uh, it was the first time I realized I didn't know what Dalis sounded, talked, or acted like in any way, shape, or form because I'd never bothered trying in the past right, eight exactly. years. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, for sure. And actually, that's that's a good point to make, right? Like, I mean, again, as somebody, I when we first started, I wasn't comfortable doing that at all. Yeah. And now, I I will go back and say things in character voice because I've realized that I've summarized them out of character voice, and I don't want to do that. I want to say it in character voice. Yeah. So like. And that was, that was hundred percent from just playing RPGs, right? Like that's, yep. a, that's not a thing I would have learned anywhere else or cared about anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are steps to help you get there. For instance, Dellen had a lot of the same sensibilities as me and was sarcastic like me. So more or less, I could just kind of say things I wanted to say in sort of the lens of that character yeah. in a very slight alteration. It made it a lot easier. And I think that's a, that's a helpful thing to help people build too, right? You want to play yep. characters that aren't like, that are like you so that you can play characters that aren't like you more easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a big deal uh, as far as like a social skill that I would never have developed otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I liked something you said about, uh, you know, from the perspective of a GM, it also, yeah, you learn how to manage time and yeah. uh, not only, not only in game with people, but also before game planning things, you learn what, yep. how to plan and what you need to plan out to over plan. Cause that can be a pain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in a game as well, you learn how to sort of, Try and keep things on track. Kind of try and keep people's attention. You know, identify when people are not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that kind of stuff. So, um, and again, I haven't had a ton of experience with that, but I've noticed that for sure. Um, and yeah, I think. Sorry, something's back in. Are you good? Uh, <laughs> I think that that is a testament again to just sort of the different social skills and even like organizational or business skills. You know, depending yep. on on sort of how far you take it uh yeah there there have been so many times where i've realized that i i'm good at and i don't say this to brag necessarily but just like in improvement sense right like right, that, right. that i'm i'm really good at noticing when people were trying to say something and got you know um overtaken or someone right is obviously interested in saying something, but can't find an opening in the conversation. Those sorts of things are things that I know I learned from role-playing games, right? I know I learned from having to GM and having to pick up on those cues because getting to the end of a session and realizing that a player felt trampled on the entire game, right? Um, That's happened multiple times where I I I realized that I should have been more on, on point with that to notice those sorts of things and so now I, I i have a very good skill to just in a conversation pick up when no one else is paying attention to the fact that this person tried to say something and nobody let them mm-hmm. and i always try to go back to those people yeah. and be like what were you saying like yeah that's and, an important and just, skill yeah, yeah. And, it, and it is it's a very important skill to know as a human being right. um and role-playing games can help hone those skills very well um because there's there's a lot of people like that who really struggle to get their you know, to get their voice heard in the conversation. And typically the only way that that'll happen is if other people are like, Hey, this person was saying something, people who are less afraid to do that. And that'll give that person confidence, you know, because like, Oh, somebody else actually wants to hear what I say as well. And um, I know, especially like for me, when I'm the one talking, it's hard to notice that. But when other people are talking, I'm, I can very much pick up on them as well. And so I think it's important to know, I mean, it's a much harder to identify that when you're talking, but I think it's important to learn that as well. And that's yep. what I've been trying to work on. Um, but especially when other people are talking, you want to, you want to keep an eye out for that. You know, just when someone says one sound and then they get cut off or when they like keep making a gesture, like they want to say something, you know, there's, there's yep. cues to pick up on. Yep. Uh, and going sure. off of what you were, you're saying just a little bit earlier. Um, yeah. The, I think one of the things that I have learned a lot 
or, and, and I've tried to develop as a skill, I guess, sort of peripheral to role playing games, but not like the actual playing of it. But as you said, like the planning, the preparation, the, yeah, the kind right. of in, in, is is the the idea of introducing people to social groups. Um, oh, like yeah. that's something that I, as a person, just did a lot of. I, I think as an extension of my kind of personality, but yeah. role playing games really kind of helped me hone that skill in just the sense of noticing when people are quiet or don't have friends and then including them right and right. and getting them involved in an activity that that will get them engaged right and, yeah. and engaged with other people specifically like i can't i, I can count I, I can't count on two hands the amount of people i've like adopted as introverts over the years yeah. right um into into our extrovert circle um yeah. um and I say that with people like Connor and Jared and you who aren't necessarily the most extroverted people. Right. Um, but, you know, the, the people, the, 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 yeah. the group, like getting, getting people involved and engaged in a social group um, is something that I it's very useful to do when you're doing a role playing game uh, yeah. regularly, especially or even just as one shot, because right, like you you have a, a thing to engage them with it's not just like let's go to a movie where we're not going to talk yeah. to you at all yeah go ahead good <laughs> i was gonna say i think i think that rpgs are uniquely suited to that because for one it's a game so it's meant to be fun so it's yeah. you know you can you can pull people in with that yeah. and to everyone there whether the new person not, knows this or not really i guess it's, it's assumed that you're all there to play a game and do your like there's there are social expectations from an rpg that you can yeah. explain to a person that will help them feel more comfortable because as a part of a small group that is meant to be creatively contributing to this game, your opinion matters just as much as everybody else's. And that needs to be clear. And that I think is, it's a uniquely like suited circumstance for them to feel like their opinion matters. Now it's also uniquely intimidating because it's usually a small group and you're now trying to be creative and it's scary to be creative for the first couple of times to do it with a group. Cause you don't know if they're going to be like Hawks, that's dumb. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's the worst, especially with people we don't know. Yeah. So it, once, but once they get over that initial hurdle, right. And if you can convince them that the people you're playing with are decent, then that'll be easier. I feel like, yeah, it is uniquely suited to introducing people into a social element that they wouldn't necessarily be comfortable in like you said just going to the movies right if you invite yeah. that person to the movies they might not say a single word to anybody but when they're one of five people playing a game if they don't say a word people are going to notice and be like why aren't you playing the game yeah <laughs> you know it'd be like trying to play monopoly and never taking a turn people would be like what are you doing uh you <laughs> have to right. you have to do the thing yeah <laughs> uh and so yeah i i agree i think it's it's a, a particularly helpful thing to ease people into a social group even if they don't know any of the people and that's a common thing it's common to play with groups of people where you know nobody if you've just started this game on a forum you may not know any of the players yeah um, and so yeah it's i think i can't really think other than maybe like dancing can't think of a lot of other situations where it's like you're that well encouraged to socially interact yeah yeah in a way that is safe and you know like entertaining because again games are meant to be it's an rpg yeah. it's meant to be fun it's a game Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, um like and just kind of give some examples of some of the stuff we'll be talking about like i recently yeah. just started a new a new game um the burning wheel game on fridays and, and all of my role-playing games have been on hiatus for a couple of weeks because one uh, work has been crazy and two i've been dead deadly sick uh not deadly but like deathly in a dramatically sick let's let's put it that way hyperbolic uh, yeah hyperbolically <laughs> deathly sick um, but we started this game, right? Death Under Madness. And, um, I'm doing it. The uh, only Carly is, uh, Carly's the only person who's actually played a role-playing game before, which is fun. Cause she's, she was the newbie for a really long time. Um, yeah. She gets group. to be the senior now. As she the, gets, as gets the, to be the senior. Yeah. Show up. <laughs> um, and it's been really cool to just kind of see the way that the three other players, um, engage with the game in in a lot of the ways that we've been talking about right like it mm -hmm. i you know we've been trying to be very um me, me and carly uh me as gm i guess more specifically but it has been you know working really hard to to 
include them and, and say yes and yes but to right. what they're saying and get everybody engaged in what's happening but it's really cool to see someone like um, maria for example who's carly's roommate who has done world building um her entire life with no prospects of actually writing anything in the world like she's, she's one of those people um yeah. to see her obviously and naturally fit into a role-playing game um and 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 see her like do something that she's never done before but like obviously feel very comfortable with it and be excited and engaged by it because of the fact that it engages a lot of the buttons that she enjoys right uh, checks a lot of those boxes for her but it also you know in in, in the same fashion um chad and seth the other the other players um not as much uh they they don't world build they don't write they don't you know they're not involved in that part of of things but they i know they both enjoy games and they they've both very much enjoyed um the aspect of um trying to you know do things trying to accomplish goals in in the burning wheel rules right mm -hmm. and and get what they want to to accomplish yes. but also get engaged in their character and and because they played like you know computer role-playing games and other stuff like mm -hmm. that before and watch a lot of movies they they take that experience and 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 start to really enjoy the idea of thinking about like okay well my character wouldn't do this and they would do this and maybe that's not the best thing to do but I think it is what they would do and to, to really start to kind of be engaged with that part of a role-playing game, like the, the idea of like taking on another persona and, and storytelling, you know, with that persona, it's just really cool to see, you know, those sorts of boxes be checked as we all get more interested in the game and uh, engaged in what's happening. Um, and it's fun for me as the GM to, again, continue practicing my skills of making sure everyone is in involved and included. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for example, um, one of the things that, um, happened in the beginning of both of my recent burning wheel campaigns I've started, right? Lavender shadows and death and madness. One of the characters both named, uh, played by a person named Seth. I was going to say, can we just, isn't that the third Seth you've played RPGs <laughs> with now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, who have gotten like really difficult wounds almost right away in the game. Oh, wow. And that's rough. <laughs> it's interesting to see the different. Yeah, no, it's interesting to see the difference. I feel like I handled the whole situation much better the second time mm -hmm. and, and was more cognizant of the fact that this is a major impairment, which could make their game much less fun. Oh, yeah, they can be especially in burning wheel wounds can be very. Yeah. And, and I know that happened for Seth Leha a lot in the in the in Lavender Shadows. It took him a long time to get more to, to get. To, to have fun again with the game because he yeah. felt so punished um and but but it was cool to it's cool for me to like ha almost have a second chance to yeah. try to do that better um and and be like okay well this is something that i think would happen and and talk about like uh, uh, you know okay seth your character i think is going to get like 20 lashes because they you know with the setting we've all kind of agreed on this is something like that would probably happen and talk about that and be like and, and have it be like yeah i mean it is what it is that that's probably something that would happen but but to have a chance to be like all right let's make this interesting and not uh, a punishment and and it's been fun to and actually chad i think chad was the one who really kind of picked up on this and i think because his character also was having some trouble with where they're where he was going like he didn't really have a way to like kind of solve some of the problems and he just suggested wait a second what if our characters meet up what if our characters start solving problems together and we, we all talked about it and it's it's actually fit perfectly because chad's character didn't have like a lot of the um well both of their characters didn't have some of the skills necessary to get what they wanted to do done and also now party. that yeah and now that seth seth's character has another person to provide help um and i gave him some other like soldier types to like help him out with what he was doing um that gives him help dice to like sort of mitigate the the wound penalty right and so he has you know just just picking up those things as a gm now kind of seeing the way that i've been more cognizant of potential problems and solving them before they even rear their heads as a major problem has been just cool to see the way that that's uh, kind of developed yeah, over the years. For sure. Well, and I think that leads pretty well into the last one of fun, right? Because it's like, cause that's, you know, I think a culmination of the, the, the point of all of that is to, to entertain and to have fun. Right. And sort of the, 
facilitation of that is, you know, a combination of those two. You have to have a social, a safe social circle, or you're not going to have fun. And you have to, yeah. you know, have a, um, sorry, I slipped on that. What was the other one? Uh, oh, we were talking about creativity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you have to, you have to have a safe social circle to play in, obviously, to mm-hmm. have, if you're going to have fun and that frees you up to use your creativity. Uh, and then, you know, and actually it was a point you brought up that was interesting. You can also bring people into the game if they're gamers, right? If they're people who enjoy board yeah. games, like rules, yep. right? I'm, I'm that kind of person. I love rules. I think that's pretty, really sort of what drew me in initially that yep. setting. I like fantasy as well. Um, I love games and that's, that's sort of the thing, right? You can, you can sort of, you can sort of, I don't know how to put this in a knot. You can like, you can draw people into the RPG by being like, it's a game. It's fun. Here's the rules. If you know that that kind of person, yep. and then they'll osmosis the other stuff. They'll become more interested yep. in the other stuff because it's fun. And once people are not scared of it, they'll see that it's fun and be willing to engage with it. And so, and it's easier to do that when you watch other people do it for a while. That are that are comfortable with it. And you're like, I'm just here to roll the dice, but you guys can do the thing. You can talk in character voices and make silly gestures and stuff. Yeah. And then, but slowly you'll be more comfortable with it. You'll be more comfortable with the people, and eventually you'll want to do it yourself. Um, I think for for the vast majority of people, because I mean, you don't make characters that you don't like, or you wouldn't be playing them. So you then are like, hey, maybe it would be fun if I like gave this guy a silly Swedish voice, you know? <laughs> uh, and then once in, you know, if you have a safe social circle to do that in, you can let that creativity come out and you won't be afraid of people shutting you down. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll just enjoy it with you unless it's just really bad. And then maybe they will. <laughs> well, so I mean, going off what you were just saying, actually, I feel, I feel like, you know, again, listening back through the old campaign uh, of the Savage Tide and we'll, we'll talk about this more uh, next time we record uh, with everybody. But one of the things I think I noticed was that I, so I could have, like, I, I was this person. I could have been, I think this is, this is an actual, this is a real win for me back then. I, I feel like I could have been like, no, Nate Walsh, you can't name your horse Jerry, right? <laughs> I could have been that person. I could have yeah. been the hardcore, like, we need to have a fantasy setting that's engaging and realistic right. and whatever. But I didn't. I was like, yeah. you know what? You can name your horse, Jerry. You can, you know, Connor, you can have um, a, a Warforged slave named Metallica. I think uh-huh. I, I actually was the one who suggested that name for <laughs> his character, like a dwarven half giant with dragon blood or something. He was insane. a no, he, he was a half dwarf. So half human, half dwarf with fire giant blood in his past. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And exactly, there's yeah. just a lot of silly stuff. Like I I mm-hmm. I think that was a real win for me as a GM back then. I let yeah. you guys be have fun. Y- yeah, just have fun, right? Like yeah. it wasn't super serious. One of the things that like uh I just finished and again we're talking about Savage Tide. I I've yeah. been listening to it a whole bunch. Uh we'll talk about it more uh next time. But um there 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 was a scene that I was just listening to uh, in the old recordings of uh, when we were having uh, a meeting with the For- Far Shore Council, right? This the settlement at, at Far Shore, the council of all the people, and you guys just had just been attacked by pirates, and you're talking about like how to deal with the the pirate, pirate armada that was going to come in like two, two months. Yeah. Um. And the entire scene, um, Nate's character kept saying, "I object to just the <laughs> most random things." Right? Like he he start it started off as just like a yeah. thing that was like sort of funny and, and maybe something he should have objected to, but it just became a running gag where he just said, "I object to everything." And instead of me saying, "Okay, this is silly. Like, why would your character do this? You're being disruptive." Like we all just went with it, and and I yeah. I, I we were all having so much fun and laughing at the fact that this character was saying, just saying, "I object." In in random circumstances and i feel like that's it's such a, a skill uh maybe not a skill but like um definitely a a, a bonus if you can oh, just yeah. be loose right mm-hmm. um you don't have to be stickler for a stickler for right. realism or whatever mm-hmm. um if if the whole group is like yes we want to be serious we want to have to be realistic that's one thing right. right like that's what we did for chrome inquisitors and we we, we laughed yeah. a lot and had a lot of fun things outside of the game right. um you know peripheral to the game like out of character but the care the game itself was very serious and like, yeah was, i was i was actually gonna say that yeah like because yeah. 
it's easiest, I think, to have fun in a silly game, especially for new people. It's, it's easy to break the ice and to just go with yeah. sort of their level. But if you have a group that you, for one, you know well, but also where they've all bought into the idea that this is going to be a serious game, yeah. you can have just as much fun mm-hmm. with a very serious game. I mean, I always I always tell Ruth, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, it's really funny. And I think about it, I'm like, no, it's not funny at all. We're funny uh-huh. and we have fun. The, the story isn't funny the story at all. is not funny <laughs> in no. any way. But that's the thing is, I even think about it. I think of it as a fun, lighthearted thing because we have so much fun doing it, even though it's very dark. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, like, I, I, I did want to mention that, that, yeah, like, you don't, it doesn't have to be silly for it to be fun as long as the group has bought into that, right? Yep. Because, yeah, for sure. If, if, if Nate was like, oh, yeah, I want to have a silly game, you're like, no, nah, man, this is dark fantasy. You can't be stupid. You can't be silly. Yeah. You can't object to that random thing that he wouldn't have fun. Right. And, yep. and probably you wouldn't either. And the rest of us would yep. probably also be like a little put off and we wouldn't know what to do then. So like, yeah, it's just, it's the yes and thing again. Right. Or yes, but in yep. that you want to encourage that. And if that's the players you're playing with and they're not being like rude, <laughs> then yeah, you know, it, that, that's fine. You know, it's the point is to have fun. And yep. if, if you want to play a serious game, you just got to make sure you find people who also want to play a serious game. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, I, I yep. think that's an important distinction uh, yep. that it doesn't have to be silly to be fun yep. as long as everyone's bought into it. But yeah, it, I think buying buy-in is probably like the most important thing in terms oh, of yeah. that aspect of role-playing games um, in, to ensure that people are having fun, Right. Right. buying into whatever you're going to do whatever the tone of the game is whatever the established like how, what this game is going to feel like um and what it's going to be is very important to have fun in a role-playing game and i think it's important that either implicitly or, or explicitly everyone needs to be on the same page with that um and i think implicitly at, in savage tide we were all like oh. the the idea was we're just having fun, right? Just, we're we're going to be yeah. silly. We're going to do things that are silly. This game is, in one sense, very serious. Um, honestly, like Savage Tide felt a lot like Avatar: The Last Airbender for me in that in that sense mm. where there's a lot of silly, like it's an anime almost. It's a lot of silly stuff that happens, but at the end of the day, we're we're fighting whole demons and stuff, right? And yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's dark. There's stuff that's happening, but but I feel like um we i mean we were teenagers right we 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 wanted to just make jokes and have fun and Mm -hmm. we didn't really care if that was in the game or outside of the game um and you know as we as we matured we we started putting more of the fun the the funny stuff out in the out of character part of the game but yeah um we got better at at distinguishing from the characters and the world and ourselves uh, yeah. um and, and it, i feel like it like a fine wine aged our games and made them more enjoyable oh, yeah. right um but uh the most important thing because it is a game is did everyone have fun tonight and if they did and nobody got mad at another person for having fun at their expense right yeah. then you're good right yeah. then and, it's successful and yeah i think it's interesting because i think that buy-in not only i think the reason that it's important for having fun is because it's important for having a safe space, right? A safe, yeah. which, sorry, I, I used a, a buzzword, a safe, you know, circle, a social circle to be, yeah. it's not what I meant. Uh, <laughs> so it's because if you're not bought in to the game on a conceptual level, then, I mean, one, yeah, you're, you're not going to enjoy yourself because yeah. you're like, I don't like what we're doing, but also there's a very good chance you're going to be uncomfortable with what happens Yeah, and you're not going to be contributing in a way that is, what everyone else is expecting, which isn't going to be fine either. So I think it's really important in both the, the entertainment sense and also just the being in a space where you can create, be creative safely. Um, yep. Cause you know, it's, it's really hard to open yourself up sometimes, especially in a creative way, because that's, it's a, it's a, it's very easy <laughs> for people to be mean. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was sort of just a, an additional, note on what you said that I, I thought was interesting and um i think for me the last thing mm-hmm. you know sort of on the fun side is it, the mechanics of the game right like yeah again i mean i touched on it a little bit earlier but the vast vast majority of role-playing games use dice which inherently is sort of a gambling thrill right even if your <laughs> yeah. character's good at something there's always that slight chance you're going to fail which 
there's almost more of an apprehension, but, but, you know, there's always a chance and uh, vice versa. If your character's bad at a thing, there's always a chance that it might succeed anyways. Uh-huh. Um, and I think, you know, one that hits the age old thing that makes people waste all of their money for, you know, as long as history has been around uh, because we want to see what will happen with chance, you know, maybe yep. I'll get it this time, but also the same reason any other game is fun, right? It engages your creativity, the, the puzzle solving, like we were saying earlier, right? That's also built into the mechanics. And if you are interested in the game that you're playing, that makes it more fun, right? Like there are reason, there's a reason that like, say for instance, we probably won't ever go back and play the Mistborn RPG system. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, even though we'll probably play Mistborn again, yeah, because we don't like the mechanics in that game. They're not fun to us, but there's a, you know, Burning Wheel is a reason it's the go-to for any fantasy that will fit, because we enjoy the mechanics of that game. And so that, that's a big part about having fun, right, is does the system I'm playing allow me to do what I want in a way that's fun and interesting, or am I fighting the system trying to get what I want? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, and that's and honestly, I feel like that's a that's a the true sign of someone who has moved from a beginner role playing game, <laughs> yeah, uh, a role playing gamer to a an experienced one is they stop trying to fight the game that they're playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think it's really important for people to know that and to get that as a person who plays role playing games. Don't fight the game you're playing. It's one thing to hack the game. Like you can, yeah. you can house rule things. We get like, that's fun. Um, if you don't like a rule, that's okay. Like you, you guys can, as a group, figure out like how to make the game more fun for you by changing the rules. Um, but don't fight the game you're playing, right? Know the game that you're playing. That's the, that's the way to make the game the most fun yeah. um, is to look at a game like Dungeons and Dragons, for example, and say, what does this game do well? Well, what does it focus on? It focuses on killing monsters and getting treasure. If your game is going to, if your game, if you want to have the most fun possible, that's what you're going to focus on. Uh, you know, killing monsters and getting treasure. And if you, the more you, the, the further you stray away from that design, yeah. the less fun you're going to have because of the game, right? right? You may have a lot of fun just outside of the game, but you're not the game is not helping you reach the true potential of fun you could have um you'd have a lot more fun stop trying when you stop trying to fight the game and instead just find a game that fits the thing that you want to play better Mm -hmm. um exactly yeah yeah like if you're like oh you know i want to play a game of thrones-esque political maneuvering thing Burning Wheels got you covered, right? Burning Wheels got you covered. If you play 5e, you're going to be like, all right, I want to convince this guy not to try and murder my entire family. Cool. All right. Roll a persuasion roll. I'm really bad at that. All right. I got a five. Okay. He kills everybody. Like that's what (laughs) you needed for you. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't do much. Burning Wheel has a lot of systems to make that one feel as important as it should have, you know, commit enough time. It has a whole combat system for a social event that that's as important as that. And a lot of other nuances that make that feel as important as it should. Whereas D&D doesn't really care about your social stuff in game. Mm-hmm. It's, it only has persuasion so that you can have a way to get past that part. And that's as about as far as it goes. Yep. So it's just not going to, it just doesn't care. And so you're, yeah, at that point, if you're trying to put weight on things that the game does not support, you're going to feel that instability. It's going to feel like yep. it didn't pace well. It's going to feel floaty and and unsatisfying because and honestly it's not even the game's fault right because at that point you straight into territory that is not the game's territory and that's why yeah that's I and mean, that's one of the reasons that we like to play other games why we one of the reasons we have this podcast right because you know the the tagline is we're going to find our next favorite game or make it because there are a lot of games we want to play that don't exist right or yeah. ideas that we're like okay we could do this in this system but is it really going to do what we want for this idea and if the answer yeah. is no then the the answer is okay well let's write a game that does yeah and and that's a sort of the core of or the scour idea. the internet finding one yeah oh yeah i mean that's that's the easier way to do it you want to make sure no one else has done it first otherwise you're just yeah. doing work but uh <laughs> uh yeah i mean right that's yeah i mean that's what i did up. i i looked up to make sure that there was not a role-playing game about a musical <laughs> before i made mine <laughs> yeah. and there that's wasn't smart. yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, is sometimes, yeah, if you have an idea, you can look and be like, oh yeah, someone's done this already. And if, if it looks good to you, then, then play that. Right. There, there's no reason not to, but if, if, yeah, if you can't find something that is what you want to do, then, then that's when, that's why people make games. I mean that, and they also want to make money from them, but that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's what professionals do it for, you know, when you're not at that point yet, you do it because <laughs> you want, you want to have a game that is what you want to play. Um, and you know, that, that, you can also hack games, but that it, it depends on if you're like, okay, the game almost does what I want. Let me just tweak a couple of things. That's, that's sort of the easiest way, but yeah. you know, for instance, D and D is going to take a lot more tweaking than, than is you might as well just make another game. If you're going to do a political thriller, then tweak D and D. Yeah. <laughs> or play yeah. Anyway. There's, there's only, there's only so far that you can tweak. Like I, we, yeah. so what's funny is we talk about this and I'm currently running a, a long-running D&D camp, 5e D&D campaign right now um, that we've we've changed the XP system around. Like we did the, mm-hmm. you know, the whole core swords thing where we we do goal-based yeah. XP instead of, um, right. you know, fighting monsters, getting treasure uh, gives, you, gives you XP. And and like it's, it works because the other thing that D&D does well is quest-based mm-hmm. adventure fiction right and and that's kind of what we're doing right now if if all of our goals revolved around like um let's let's convince this character to start a farm and leave their life of what you know whatever else it is if all of our goals were like that then yeah the game would fall apart we wouldn't it would be fun um but because most of the goals are like we need to kill this monster (laughs) we need to uh get this magic item so that we can kill this monster uh, that it, it it gives us a sense uh, a different sense of accomplishment in a way that just killing mon you know killing a random monster in the forest you know is going to be is actually going to give you xp where talking to this one npc and and getting a magic item from him actually doesn't give you any xp in the rules you know, right. it, it, tweaking things so that our kind of quest line style of play right now is the thing that's like rewarding us has been very helpful um but we're, we're about at that threshold where if we if we pushed any further on that it would all fall apart um yeah but uh yeah i was gonna say that's an example i was gonna say that's an example of a hack that uh that works right because the indie excels at putting interesting things in your way because that's yeah. basically the whole rule book yep right Here's the things that are in your way. They're cool and interesting. Here's all the rules. Here's how you kill the things that are in your way. They're cool and interesting. Here's all the rules. Yeah. That's that's D and D, right? I've just explained all of the books, um, and so that that's a hack that works, right? Because you're like, okay, I, maybe I want to be able to get experience for things besides just killing the monsters in the handbook, so that the the times in between fights aren't a waste. Uh, and there are alternate XP systems in the books too, but honestly, I don't. I don't really like them either. The, like, yeah. Milestone stuff feels just kind of arbitrary, but that, that's sort of another thing. Um, so yeah, that's a kind of hack that works, right? You're not, you're not rebuilding D and D you're just taking the thing it's good at and making it do something that you prefer it would do as opposed to trying to make it good at something. It's not <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. And that's, yep. that's sort of where the distinction comes. And, and again, all of that comes back to just, making the system do what you want so that you're having fun, right? Because that's the top yeah. of the line. Yeah, I was going to say, no, I was just going to say, like, the, right, the, you're exactly right. Like, the things that I throw at them as obstacles are monsters, traps, right. yeah. magic items, D&D magic stuff. weird things. Like, yeah, D&D stuff. Yeah. And so, like, someone could literally have a, like, I think for for a while, someone had the goal of, like, um... I don't know something like you know I need to find this person like I need to find this person and like apologize to them for killing getting their sister killed or something like that right like but the 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 way to do that wasn't all right I need to like slowly break her down with the persuasion whatever and like make sure I give her what you know it burning wheel style stuff it was we need to carve our way across this continent to find to get to her right yeah Yeah. like imagine if the difficulty there had been all right i i put her weeping sister in front of you who is hiding her because she doesn't want her to come to a terrible end indeed you're like all right let me look at my tools to solve this problem i have a sword (laughs) yeah all right i cut her head off yeah exactly you know that's 
Whereas, you know, yeah, a game like Burning Wheel, obviously you have other tools. And I mean, again, you can roll persuasion, but that's such an undercut of the tension of the moment. Whereas, yeah, when, if, the, if the difficulty is, all right, there's a giant spider monster who won't let her out of her lair, you're like, all right, cool. I've got so many tools for this. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's, it's. And it, and it can be, and it can feel just as dramatic, just as emotionally yeah. poignant when you carve through the giant spider and rescue the fair maiden yeah as as it would in burning wheel um you know doing the intense duel of wits to convince them that you're truly on their side right it's right. just different different ways of different feels that can accomplish the same sort of emotional mm-hmm. high point um but with different tools and and in different yeah. ways yeah, and it's not that the one's better or worse. It's just that as long as you're using the tools the game has given you, it'll be fun, right? Yep. So, yeah, I mean, like, because, yeah, killing a giant monster is, is just as cool as having an emotional, like, dramatic scene where you convince this person that it's best, you know, whatever, whatever you know? Yeah. And, you know, they're both great, but they're both supported differently by the different games. And as long as you're doing the right one for the right game, it'll, it'll work out. So Yeah, and, yeah. and technically also, right, like the, one of the tools that D&D gives you is the skill check, right? And so there is a use for those. It's not like you yeah, you can well, never sure. have a situation where you need to persuade this person to be your friend. <laughs> right. And yeah. and like there is an emotional moment behind it mm-hmm. and whatever else, right? Like we we have had plenty of moments in Terranolius where someone has made, tried to make a persuasion check to like convince them like, you know, you should um, join us instead of you know, going off and doing your own thing. Like you, you should, you know, uh, give up your life of luxury and, and whatever else it is. And those yeah. moments can be very emotionally poignant, sure. but we, you, you can't put more weight than the game does on those moments. Right. Exactly. Um, so it has to be one role, right? If that's the climax of your arc, then D and D will fall flat for you. Yeah. But if that, that is just a thing that the characters care about, yeah, sure. It could be dramatic. It can be interesting. But yeah, like you said, you can't put more weight on it than the game does. And yeah, yeah. If that's if you're like, all right, you've carved your way across the entire country. Here's the main bad guy. Now convince him to stop being a main bad guy. They'd be like, right. I roll an attack. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you have to put the weight where the game does. But that doesn't mean that you can't do the, the other things at all. Right. You yeah. just have to be aware, aware of, of where your game puts the emphasis. Because yeah. again, it's it's about the satisfaction from those elements paying off. Because yeah. that's a big part of what makes it fun, right? Like, you know, I was actually just listening to Brandon Sanderson talk about writing. And he was talking about, you know, plot and payoff and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he said one of the biggest things is is promises, right? The game has a promise. Uh-huh. The rules are the game's promise, yep. right? And the payoff is on the GM of allowing you to use those rules and, you know, sort of getting you to the place you expect to be from yeah. the rules that you've read. Yeah. And I think that's a big deal, right? That's, that's sort of the key for a satisfactory, a satisfac- satisfying, there's the word, mm-hmm. uh, a narrative or, or, you know, and that's a big part of role-playing essentially is, is your, your creating narrative is to, to get where you're expecting to some degree, you know, obviously yeah. twists, whatever, but especially in the sense of a mechanics, and having fun that's what's satisfying right yep. you know i don't i don't fire up D and then spend the whole game just making persuasion rolls as we bog our way through a court you know a noble court like conversation because that just isn't what i expected it would be very dissatisfying and i'm not i don't have the tools to to enjoy that um which is again buy it right that's uh, yeah part of that a, cu- a couple of things to jump off of that like the yeah. as i was thinking about as I was listening to you say that, I was just thinking about old campaigns and, and stuff. And one thing that comes to mind with that is um, this arc that we had recently on Terra Nullius, um season five, where we, um, the two of the, Emily and Alyssa's characters um, have like romantic interests that were, you know, a major part of that season. Um, right. And the entire season, they are making roles such as persuasion roles and deception roles and whatever else to like, convince their respective others of various things and like slowly break them down, you know, to be more whatever, you know, to love them or whatever else. (laughs) And, but, but the, the ultimate thing that I did to create tension in the narrative was make their companion a bad guy, right? Mm -hmm. The, the, the two people, the, the love interest that they were, that uh, they were interested in their, their companion and the people they worked for were bad guys. And so the, and the climax of that was, 
oh, turns out your creepy companion, who we've been kind of tolerating because we like you too. Uh, yeah, he's actually evil, and he's gonna use. He wants to steal my magical artifact, and I guess we're gonna have a combat now. And right. the tension, ultimately, the climax was we're gonna fight you guys, mm-hmm. even though the whole time we've been make, trying to make persuasion rolls. Like, and that's the way D and D is. Like, yeah. um, that's that's the way to make that. A satisfying climax is oh no they're actually a bad guy you gotta fight yeah, yeah. Yeah. um yeah, and maybe perfect. at some point in the future they'll reconcile or whatever else right but yeah um they're you know i i didn't try to make the climax be like all right one last person like you have to do a <laughs> duel of wits it. now yeah. yeah to like live happily ever after like no that's not the kind of game that we're playing Right. Um, and then, yeah. and then, just another thing that came to my mind off of that too, it, talking about payoffs and expectations, um, is I was listening, or, or yeah, listening back through the write up I did of, I think it was session twelve of Savage Tide, um, and you guys stop at a lizard folk village on on the way down the coast, or you're like traveling by ship. And there's a whole big thing where you go into this jungle and there's creepy things happening. You're seeing your like worst fears, um, yeah. and that you you talk to this lizard folk sham or lizard folk you know elder and he's like yeah there's this horrible shaman who came and tried to like get all the lizard folk to come to this new religion and now the forest is cursed and whatever and we you did this whole thing where like i was there's so much build up to like okay we gotta this is gonna be a horrible evil whatever and you went to this like tree hut and you you tried to like you know you know open the door and it was and it was locked and the guy on the other side is like no you can't come in and then trevor's character who's a big old buff lizard folk just kicked the door in and squashed the guy and then you guys searched the hut and we're like wait a second and you looked into the door and that was the shaman you were sent to kill and you guys were expecting some sort of like big you know boss fight but i did that on purpose and i was like looking at like reading this and i'm like okay good job caleb because there, there's a pattern that happens in D and it is mm-hmm. you you end with a big climactic boss fight right and that's great and that's often very emotionally powerful um and and it's expected but every once in a while it's also great to just subvert those expectations and yeah. and it wasn't like that wasn't it wasn't important right it wasn't like the end boss of the whole campaign right. you just kill him in one hit yeah but it was a fun little subversion on a common trope to kind of like make everybody be like oh laugh a little bit and be like all right we solved the problem all we had to do is kick down a door and technically it was yeah. still the tools available to the right. character's disposal but yeah. you know just it's fun to subvert those things sometimes yeah when it's the same as in writing right like there's twists and subverted tropes all the time because um, i mean that's the thing is an over-reliance on tropes is a cliche and cliches are typically negative right like it's it's fine to do the thing that's expected sometimes, but it's just as good to do the thing that's unexpected again, as long as it's a thing that the game supports. And like, like you said, it wasn't like it was a betrayal of our expectations or the promises the game has made because I mean, we didn't even know about this guy until that session anyways. Right. Like it was, it was a fun thing because we hadn't set expectations and hopes that, that mm. were really important to us on them yeah we, we did have them but they weren't necessarily like a huge deal so when that happened it wasn't like we were frustrated it was just it was funny yeah <laughs> as i remember that uh and uh yeah i think that's an important thing to note yeah it's not like you have to do the same thing every time or whatever, mm-hmm. but, yeah but yeah i think yeah so ultimately uh, i think we sort of come about this as, as uh in a roundabout way <laughs> but yeah. ultimately yeah I, the fun comes down to having you know a safe environment to be creative in and having a mechanical system that supports you is, is, is fun for you. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's, that's, that's what it's about, right? It's about coming together and having fun, creating a narrative with your friends supported by having, you know, creative safety and, and a, a good social environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, getting to be creative and flex that muscle with, with people you, you like. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Ultimately I think that's, that's sort of why we, we play them, right? You know, it's yeah. Just like like most hobbies, to be fair, it's just there. There's skills and and interaction that that is enjoyable, and I think yeah. I, I think pretty much anybody can find an RPG in a group that they can play with that is that will will sit with them well, right? That they'll enjoy. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that I know a lot of people don't think that's the case. I think yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, can, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I know we uh, touched on that in the last episode, so we probably don't need to dive into that. But. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and there's like a lot of facets of this that we could, you know, make whole episodes out of. Um, oh, sure. one, one aspect that I don't think we covered at all is like, why as a Christian should we play a role playing game, right? Like, and so I want to definitely want to do a whole episode on that. I think yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there's definitely more more things to talk about mm-hmm. in, in this vein. And we're going to have more like abstract sort of like philosophical podcasts like this, just talking about like um, how to, how, well, one, how to play role playing games well, but also like why role playing games are cool and like just digging into the various philosophical yeah. aspects of them. <laughs> um, but uh, we can say that, yeah, for a later date. Yeah. And if that stuff's not really your jam, don't worry, we'll have other stuff too. We're going to, we're going to do yep. episodes where we, you know, world or world build i think and game build and that kind of stuff and yeah uh so we'll have we'll have a good variety if if you're already pretty familiar with game philosophy and stuff we'll have stuff for you too so uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and uh next time we should have uh some old friends on to talk about <laughs> savage tide which i'm very i'm very excited about um especially mm-hmm. because i have it so fresh in my mind I, I should be able to host well and be like what about this thing? Do you guys remember this thing? And then people will be right. like, oh my gosh, yeah. Because they, yeah. they probably won't remember it if we all had never, had none of us had listened to it in a while. And yeah. we're just like, I don't know. Do you remember anything about the game? But but I'll have all of it <laughs> fresh in my brain. So yeah, it'll be like- it'll help a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm excited for it. It'll be fun. So yeah, thanks guys for joining us. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next time. We uh, hope that you've been inspired just in general and to play more role-playing games. Adios. Have a good one.